0: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael, and today we're going to talk about Indiana University. We have three guests with us in the studio and all our trustees of the university. We have Sue Talbot, Pat Shoulders, and A.D. King, who's the student trustee. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Sue, Pat, A.D., welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Thanks you. for being nice here, be here with us. Yeah. Um, A.D., I, I mentioned you're a student trustee. I guess I just wanted to let people know that, I mean, you are a full full trustee, but you are a student, a junior at IU.
1: Correct. Yeah, I'm an, an undergraduate here. An undergraduate? And, yeah. But you get to— Full
2: voting privileges, right? You,
1: oh, yeah. And responsibilities. So, That's right. Uh, so it's, um, it's really a, a unique experience for me as an undergraduate, and uh, I'm really excited to fulfill uh, these duties. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, I wanted to uh, start out with a, a, a pretty broad question. We had just inaugurated a new president, the 18th president of IU, last week, and Michael McRobbie. And uh, Sue and, and Pat, you were involved in, in the selection process of Michael McGraby. AD, you weren't on the court Correct. at that point. But uh, so I'll start with you two and then AD can chime in with his thoughts too. But why Michael What's, uh What, what, what are the, the positives, the strengths the, about Michael Sue, why don't you start?
3: Well, actually, um, Michael McRobbie was um, an excellent choice for Indiana University. It was an easy choice for the Board of Trustees when we went through the process in the search committee and brought the names to the trustees for uh, final review. Um, It became clear as we talked to the candidates, and they were great candidates, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, This is a premier opportunity for anybody that wants to be a college president or a university president. Um, but Michael, after having been with us for 10 years, had uh, such a good grasp at what Indiana University was all about and where we needed to go in the future. And one of the things, as you know, in higher education, it's extremely competitive. And so you need a president who's going to lead you with vision and with energy and uh, with good planning. And he showed every one of those um, uh, traits to us as we talked to him. And thus far, he's been in office just a few months, and he is doing every one of those and more. Um, We've been very, very pleased, and I know Pat will probably add some things to that.
0: I imagine.
4: First of all, as ground rules, as I look at the student trustee and he's A.D., maybe you ought to refer to me as B.C., I'm thinking. You know, but, uh, when, I, when, uh, when I think about presidents, and uh, I want the president of the United States and the president of IU both to be smarter than me, and one out of two right now isn't bad as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Michael McRobbie is brilliant. He's world-renowned. He's one of the probably the top five in his field. When you think about the awards that Indiana University uh, has received from its peers and the recognition in the last 10 years. They have predominantly been in the area of information technology. We went from the wilderness to the world's leader, at least the university leader, uh, and that's been Michael's leadership. He was um, charged with authoring uh, an IT strategic plan. He did that. Then he had to fund it. Well, he did that. Then he had to implement it, and he did that. We have a track record here of someone who can see a problem, figure it out, and overcome it. And we are fortunate to have, as Sue said, and Sue did a wonderful job leading that search, uh, to be able to identify an internal candidate who was ready to take the reins of this university, and he, uh, he's done that. Mm-hmm.
1: A.D., from uh, your perspective. Right. As a student trustee, I try to look at it um, with the student's thoughts and uh, in mind. And I look at how connected he is, uh, aspired and tried to be with the students. And uh, right off the bat, he established the the Voice Committee, which is called the acronym for the Vision of an Ideal College Environment, really trying to seek student input on how we think uh, our college education should be run. He's also gone back to something that uh, Dr. Herman B. Wells established in his presidency, which is have open office hours for students. So any student uh, across any of the campuses could come in and speak with the president of the university about issues affecting them. I think it's just really important to see that uh, the president reach out to the students and uh, kind of appeal to their needs. Mm-hmm. Now, in his inaugural address uh, last week, he had a, a whole lot of
0: ideas that he laid out there and and uh, sort of a game plan for getting there. And, and I know that I know that you, uh, Sue, and well, all three of you uh, would support. I would assume all of his ideas, but if you could just sort of choose one that you want to highlight um, here, you know, one of his. His big ideas that he mentioned in the inaugural, I I I think that would be helpful. So, Sue, do you want to?
3: Well, as you say, there are many ideas. Mm -hmm. And um, I think those of us who have attended other presidential inaugurations on this campus or other campuses uh, were really struck by the fact that he laid out a plan. It was not a uh, small uh, measure of uh, he was just happy to be here and be chosen to be our president. But he had uh, a well-thought-out strategic plan for the future. I think one of the things that uh, we have been trying to establish uh, um, – I shouldn't say establish. We have it well-established, our international programs. But we've been trying to um, ramp that up so that we have even more emphasis on international students, faculty, and staff. Um, he is really going to energize that by um, asking to put more money into it. Uh, you know, the Hutton Honors College was started by Ed Hutton, one of our uh, wonderful grads, uh, with a $9 million endorsement several years ago. Uh, and A.D. King is a member of the Hutton Honors College student body, I need to tell you that. Um, and um, Ed Hutton also gave us money to build the the new um, uh, building, office building for the Hutton Honors College. Uh, that ha- helped our students um, obtain the um, possibilities of traveling and studying in other countries. But the exchange of having students from other countries come here is very important to us because um, there are many of our students who won't be able to travel to another country and they need the exposure. So Michael has made it very clear that um, he's calling it the international imperative that uh, we will establish ma- major new endowments uh, for our undergraduate study abroad. then that speaks to me uh, in many ways because, um, as we know, travel helps uh, more with the education uh, and immersing yourself in a culture than just reading about, seeing it, and talking to people from that culture. Mm
4: -hmm. Okay. Pat? Uh, I agree with all of that. It's it's difficult to pick and choose. But I would say this. um, At our core, we are about teaching and learning. And um, I think that his initiative uh, relative to recruitment of – uh, Wells professors, what he calls uh, um, Nobel laureates and pulitzer prize winners is, is is exciting stuff um, and since the board is full of uh, what I like to kid them as captains of industry i was I, I was I was happy to see that there would be a renewed commitment to the humanities and the arts we i think life sciences and 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 some of the development in that area will will sort of take care of itself in an economic development sense. But I think we also have to take care of the poets.
2: Mm -hmm. And you still see value in that, obviously, for the new century and beyond. Absolutely.
4: Absolutely. It seems to me that uh, um, the texture and the fabric of of society has to be taken care of or or we lose our soul, I think, a little bit. Mm -hmm.
1: A.D.? I would have to highlight the the residence hall upgrades that President McRobbie uh, suggested and we'll we'll follow through with uh, Sue mentioned how competitive the world of higher education is and it's competitive in uh, attracting and uh, retaining the brightest minds uh, really across the globe. So improving our residence halls, uh, I think, will be a great recruitment tool for some of these bright students who need, um, you know, solid accommodations as they, you know, take their academic pursuits.
0: Mm Now I was thinking before we uh, went on the air today. You know, Mary Catherine and I have been doing this show for a, a decade now. I don't believe we've ever had a show of trustees. She doesn't look that old, but <laughs> <the laughs> yeah, years. yeah, I know. You clearly, do. <laughs> I know? That's right. She was a teenager when yeah. we started. Um, so it, it's interesting. I've mean, I mentioned that because I don't believe we've ever had a show of trustees on. Um, Michael McGrawby has been on with us twice. Now, not yeah. since he became president, but. Uh, right before he was actually officially mm-hmm. named president, uh, he he'd been named, he'd been but he named, hadn't officially not, yes, taken. Right. And then after he became the the provost, mm-hmm. the interim provost, um, Adam Herbert wasn't on, and Miles Brown was on once, but it was a tape delayed show where he didn't take calls. So
4: Steve Ferguson and I were on. Um, I- Oh, and Sue's or so been on ago. before. Yeah, mm-hmm. have
0: you?
3: No, I haven't been on. Was it. I gone? Noon oh. Edition.
4: You must have been gone. We were on, right after the faculty I so. exploded. I think oh, Steve yeah, and I yeah. might have been on.
0: But okay, well that's good. But I but I like I the can, uh, yeah. the access and the openness. And I, and again, it, it appears to me that Michael McRobbie is going to be a president who reaches out to all sorts of constituents and all sorts of of people. And I guess I want to get your reaction to that. Is that what you've is that what you have hoped for, and what you've somewhat instructed him.
3: Well, let me tell you this: um, it's not only that, but uh, before we started the search uh, for um, Michael um, in this position, we talked to the state leaders, and as you know, you talked to a lot of legislative people because they are state leaders. And, and many of them told us—in um, fact, one uh, a particular person who is a leader in the uh, legislature told us not to um, search for a new president because they thought we were fine the way we were. Um, at, and it, at the inauguration the other day, I had the conversation again with that same person, and he commented to me that he was amazed at what a great job we had done. Not only was he amazed at what Michael has been able to uh, lay out as a plan for his reactions and interactions with the legislative body and the elected officials, but also that Michael and his wife, Lori Burns McRobbie, had made the visits around the state to everybody. And this particular legislator uh, said that his spouse was extremely impressed that Lori was engaged also in this process. Um, I think what you're going to find is as a couple, Michael and Lori are going to be energizing and very engaging with everybody they meet. She, as you know, um, is a um, um, IT person also in her own right and uh, has given up her career to be First Lady of Indiana University. We're extremely privileged to have that. Uh, Between the two of them, reaching out is exactly what they're doing. Um, Their schedule is mind-boggling. Mind boggling. Mm -hmm. And they're not missing the important things and they're not missing the little things. Um, They will continue to talk to our retired faculty members who still, the retired faculty, when we talk about building the excellence in our distinguished professors' ranks and our um, Nobel Prize winners and the people we're trying to recruit. You have to remember that many of our faculty members, now in service and having retired, are the people on whose shoulders we're building all of these programs because they have done the initial research and and made those departments stellar in many things that have happened. Um, And you know the faculty well. You're both in Bloomington, and you hear about them too. Um, And Michael is is spending time with the retired faculty. He's having conversations with them. He's talking to them about. What made it great then? How can it be greater now and in the future? So you're right. He's going to reach out to all populations, the alumni. There isn't anybody that's going to go untouched by their energy.
4: Interesting thing to me, uh, all of that I think is right. But the interesting thing to me about your question is we, we came out of the Miles Brand area, and after sort of an abrupt notice, we were, had a year of um, an interim leadership, Jerry Bebko, who's, who's, whose assignment is really first do no harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Sue will recall, because we're old timers, we, we do a bunch of public hearings and we say, what kind of president should we hire? And we were told we need a great communicator. Adam Herbert was a, is a great communicator. He can warm a crowd. You get in a receiving line. He would talk to the first person for 20 minutes. Uh, 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 we had a great communicator, but he was focused internally. There were things that had to be dealt with. Michael... Um, has the benefit of taking over a house that's in pretty good shape. A lot of that's because of his work as provost. He will be external. He has great energy. He will be in a lot of places, and he is a good communicator. English is sort of a second language to him right now. Uh, <laughs> I kid him about that all the time, but I mean, he he, he is a, a, a tremendously energetic man. And Laurie, uh, they will. They will meet all trains.
0: And A.D., you, you already mentioned that he's been active in meeting with, uh, with students. How important do you think that is to the broad student body?
1: Well, I think it's important uh, for students to know. Uh, well, they do know that they're, they're customers here, and, and they want the best education possible. And obviously, the, the university wants to facilitate that as much as possible. But sometimes, from the, from the high up level uh, at the board of trustees, and sometimes the president's office, we don't always you know. We don't always know what's best. And it's it's great to you know talk to the people who are going through it and try to get a better understanding of, of the best best uh, options to take. Mm-hmm. So he, he's just done a tremendous job of reaching out and uh, at least letting our opinions and, and our needs be heard.
2: As trustees, what kind of advice or or, um, I guess that's the best word, have you given uh, Michael McRobbie as far as seeking balance between his external demands and and internal?
4: Um, I think as trustees, what you do is what Herman uh, uh, told us that one of the secrets of successful leadership was to hire good people and get out of their way. And I think that's what the trustees um, intend, this trustee and I think all of us right now, uh, Michael Um, in the interview process, uh, had an agenda. You saw that in his inaugural speech. What we need to do is get out of day-to-day management, get back up to 35,000 feet uh, as policy board and watch. Uh, um, And and I think that's where at least I am. I, I haven't said get out there more, get in here more. I have a sense that he knows precisely where he needs to be.
3: A part of that, however, um, and I agree, Pat, uh, entirely, um, that we need to, to be about governance and the fiscal responsibility we have as trustees of this university. We're entrusted by state statute to do those two things, period. Um, but part of it with Michael is um, he is available for suggestions from anybody, anybody that's listening to this radio, anybody that has a, a stake at Indiana University, and he often um, requests those um, um, positions that you'd like to see him fill, or like to see him do, or he he will ask us uh, individually and collectively. Well, how do you feel about this? Should I should I go ahead and pursue this? Uh, what am I missing? Let me know what I'm missing. So you know he's very open for that, and that's the nice thing about the communication. The other presidents I've worked with, and I've worked with many of them, um, have also been very open. But I think he's more aggressive and assertive at going after it right now because he wants to do it right.
0: Our guests today are three trustees for Indiana University, Sue Talbot, Pat Shoulders, and A.D. King. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu.
2: When you have as many campuses as we do and, and uh, you're spread so thin, uh, what kind of balance do you as trustees try to seek um Servicing appropriately all of those organizations. And, and, you know, while they're all under the umbrella of Indiana University, they do each have their individual personalities and, and issues. How do, you, how do you address all of those? Uh, it seems like a monumental challenge.
4: Well, I think that's a great question. We, uh, under Adams' leadership, we undertook a, a, a mission differentiation project, and and your question is percept, uh, perceptive. In this, the challenges in Kokomo in that campus are certainly different. Mm-hmm. than It's not a residential campus. It's not Bloomington, Indiana, but yet, but yet it serves a vital and unique function in that community. So we try to, and hear quite regularly from the chancellors in the various areas. And one of the things we measure them by along with credit hours, enrollments, et cetera, is how are you engaged in your community and how can we measure you as a metric against that mission that you just uh, um, set forth? And so- we, um, y- each one is unique. Its community is unique. And our job is to see whether they are fulfilling uh, the mission that they set out for themselves, I think.
3: Yeah, you know, Mary Catherine, uh, uh, that is um, the mission differentiation, as Pat said, is really what has helped us focus um, our resources appropriately with each campus. But those of us who are way old timers like I am, having been a native of Bloomington all my life and, and um, watching the campuses grow, and there are many people on this campus that can remind you that we used to fly professors around to those locations Mm. to teach classes. Because we just had the locations. Herman Wells' um, vision was that nobody in Indiana should be more than 50 miles away from a place to go to college if they wanted to. That was way before our junior college system. Uh, Evansville did get left out because uh, he was going to come right in there on Evansville, the um, uh, tourist capital of Indiana. Um, And it did get left out because there were um, – University of Evansville was there and and Herman felt that covered it without us – being there. But our other campus locations, if you look at us geographically, um, are pretty much the kind of ideal that you would want to have placed. And now that we have a community college, there's a lot of collaboration between our campuses and the community colleges, and as well it should be on degrees and um, core classes. Um, But one of the things that uh, is happening with our campuses, they're growing up. They've gone through their um, infant years of crawling and and, uh, toddler and And um, they've gone through some of the struggling teenage years. Some of them are still going through that a little bit. But they're beginning to grow up, and and we have two campuses, actually three of our campuses now, that have um, uh, residential programs planned. Um, Our campus in New Albany and our campus in South Bend are in the process of building um, residence halls, uh, Fort Wayne. Uh, which is an uh, IU-Purdue campus and actually fiscally governed by Purdue, has had um, residence halls for about four years Mm -hmm. now, very successfully. And, of course, Indianapolis, which is the two uh, universities, but we are the fiscal managers of Indianapolis, and the medical school has had residence halls now for several years. They had some struggles with those because Mm it wasn't a residential campus to begin with. But now we're finding that it's evolving into um, residential campuses, those Those um, locations. Now, we have some other campuses that we worry about. Can they expand? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be able to incorporate some of the neighborhoods around them that are deteriorating so that they can have more space for classroom buildings or residence halls eventually if they choose to? So there are a lot of different ways of looking at it. But I will tell you that each of the trustees has a responsibility to one of those campuses. And that helps us So you divvy them up that. kind of among you, like you might be the representative to Fort Wayne. I'm to Kokomo. You're to Kokomo. Um, New Albany. Pat's New Albany. Uh-huh. Everybody has a campus. Just because there's a highway
4: between Evansville and New Albany, but you people are trying to stop there being one from Evansville and Bloomington. <laughs> <laughs> or we, we can take calls on that topic. Yeah, well. we could, yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, Yeah, well, that's, that's
2: – is well, this a political problem? Well, let me ask you a follow-up <laughs> you. to that, if I may. Um, uh, to me, the – kind of the uh, – and I attended uh, Indiana University at Kokomo, so mm-hmm. I, I'm familiar with more than sure one campus. Are. I came here as well. And, and to me, I guess, the, uh, perhaps as a professor, now I'm in, kind of in, in the faculty role, so I have a couple of different hats I can put on for this question. To me, the allure from a, a faculty standpoint and maybe the opportunities for synergy here in Bloomington are, are, are more obvious than they might be uh, in a smaller campus. Is it a, a challenge or difficult to attract really the same caliber of of teaching professional to the smaller campuses um, as opposed to Bloomington?
3: You know, it, it in some respects, I can see why you would say that. We have really made a point as trustees to um, um, ask our campuses to be very, very careful about any um, uh, large percentage of adjunct professors. We really want full professors on those campuses. And most of the disciplines are doing an, an excellent job. I'm amazed at some of the professors on our regional campuses that we have attracted. And they choose, it's interesting, they choose that campus for the very reason that campus is located there, the community that, it, that surrounds it. And as I talk to them, and students too, I mean, you don't think that students come from other places to come to our regional campuses. You're wrong. They do. It's not just Bloomington or Indianapolis. They like, they choose those campuses because they represent what they want. Now, in Kokomo, which is the campus that I am the liaison to, of course, there are, are working people that need to uh, work for a living and raise their families and go to campus. But we're getting more and more traditional students Mm -hmm. uh, on all of our campuses. And they are full-time students, and they're enjoying it. They're beginning to put together – uh, fraternal groups and, and uh, uh, not just um, um, academic fraternal groups, but social fraternities and sororities. And I mean, I'm beginning to see some real growth in that. And it's it's exciting. And I do think our professors now are being attracted because of that discipline on that campus. They are all quite unique.
4: And, and I, I don't want to generalize, but I think generally this would be true. The emphasis, Bloomington and, and and Indian, Indianapolis would be more toward research, okay. whereas a, a faculty member uh, at the other campuses, the emphasis would be more on teaching, and many times teaching a non-traditional student. We 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 teach a lot of uh, nursing. We we turn out great teachers. Uh, we turn out. Uh, uh, people who stay largely, 60 to 80 percent of the, the people that go to regional campuses stay within that market area. Mm-hmm. So the, the emphasis for a professor at Kokomo or a professor at uh, New Albany, and, and there are exceptions to this, is not as research-driven as it would be primarily in Bloomington and, and, and also to somewhat of a lesser but to a, to a great extent at, at Indianapolis.
0: Okay, we've hit time for our break. So if you want to call us uh, with questions for Sue Talbot, Pat Shoulders, or A.D. King, please use 855 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 from Kokomo or any place outside <laughs> of the Bloomington area. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
5: www.southdunnstreet.info It's Cyber Days, an opportunity to support WFIU, and you can pledge online before our annual fund drive starts. For you electronic early birds, we have some incentives. You can win a pair of tickets to a Prairie Home Companion broadcast live from Bloomington when the show comes in February. Or you could win an Acurion HD radio, with this radio, you'll be ready to hear all the new programming WFIU will be providing on our second channel coming your way this summer. Cyber Days runs until November 1st. It's easy. It's secure when you visit WFIU.org. Good luck and thanks for supporting public radio.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael, and our guest today, Sue Talbot, Pat Shoulders, and A.D. King, all three are trustees of Indiana University. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And we have our first caller of the day. So Dave, go ahead. Hi. Hi, Dave. Uh,
5: I'd also like to express great disappointment with the trustees regarding our basketball coach. Nobody could have been happier than I to see Bob Knight leave. He was a real bad act as far as I was concerned. But, wow, we sure deserve better than what we've got. Uh, and for the trustees to just remain silent, I think, is really very poorly handled.
0: All right, Dave. We'll see if they want to remain silent any longer.
4: Thank you. Bat- Thanks, Dave. In fact, this trustee and several others didn't remain silent. And, Dave, I'm sure you go through your life making decisions when you have all the facts. As trustees, we're not involved in hiring the coach. Uh, but you know what? We, we try to uh, – we hire a president, and the president hires an athletic director, and an athletic director hires a coach. I have great uh, uh, confidence in the judgment of President McRobbie and uh, Athletic Director Greenspan, both of whom reported to the trustees that they had read some four inches of paperwork and documents, both internally and externally performed by a law firm with no axe to grind, both uh, the president and the athletic director said this was not an offense for which termination was justified. So, Dave, This current
2: offense is what you're... Exactly.
4: Okay. Yeah. And so, Dave, is what you're faced with as a trustee is to say, well, you know what? I disagree with you. I think we ought to fire the coach. And therefore, I don't trust your judgment any longer. And I think we ought to fire the president and the athletic director. The trustees just... This trustee wasn't willing to pull that trigger. Mm-hmm.
3: I I agree, and and, uh, Bob, you well know that uh, some of the facts are still being um, sifted through and diagnosed, and it would be unfair of us to make any comments until we know the entire story. Um, One thing about being in a governance position is just that, that you wait until all the facts are clear— before, as a body, you do anything about it. But I agree with Pat that, that uh, as he sta- stated at the beginning of the program, our job is to look at governance and the fiscal responsibility for this institution and to tell our president and those people that he hires to do good work. And if they don't, then we need to step in. But at this point, we don't know the um, all the facts yet.
1: Katie, how about a student perspective? when i thought a lot about this issue uh i, I think of my, my fellow peers uh you know fellow students on the basketball team and just all athletes in general and, and the hard work that they put in in uh in the off season and in season um you know working towards uh, you know their athletic team and uh, I, I just thought that you know pulling first of all the decision wouldn't be ours but if, if the coach or coach Sampson would be asked to leave after this uh, it'd be really you know ripping the, the, the heart out of the team and uh, you know I just think about the, the student athletes and uh, what they've gone through and I just am more focused on looking forward to the season and trying to uh, work through this situation.
0: I, I think you know, I can say as, as Sue mentioned um, I know we, our newspaper and several other organizations have have asked through the Freedom of Information Act for the Ice Miller report and, and a lot of that is being redacted now because there are a lot of student names in it that can't be released. So we will you know, we'll be seeing more of that and I know that that there are lawyers within the university and a lot of people within the university looking over that very, very closely. And so as you said, Sue, I think that, that uh, people are trying to get all the information, um, President McRobbie, Rick Greenspan made comments about where they think things are right now. And I'm sure they're continuing to evaluate things. So uh, but a very good question by Dave. I'm sure a lot Absolutely. of people share that share that position.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I I would have to kind of go along with Dave on this as someone who teaches at this university and, and in fact tries to inspire other people's to to leadership. And um, certainly integrity is a great part of that. One would hope that a person in the coach's position would have erred on the side of caution. Um, and that does not appear to at least at this time have been the case. And um, that. Uh, almost is perceived, I think, externally as a a little bit of carelessness and, um, I think that, especially with uh, our new president, that that is something that um, is just about the last thing we'd hope to see at this time. I think that that we were off to a great fresh start, and that this felt, at least, um, kind of like a real kick in the pants, and <laughs> at a time when when we were really on a, a, a high as a community and a university. And um, so, I hope that this comes to a, a quick um, and. I don't know if there could be a happy outcome at this point, but I think
4: that's all fair. In fact, the trustees might have picked other areas in which we felt kicked when this uh, uh, <laughs> this all came down, uh, Mary Catherine. I think one of a few of the things that I said in the paper were, were perspective uh, is important here. The the basketball program at Indiana University is, is 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 of mythic proportions, and and that's a wonderful thing. We all ought to mm-hmm. a, embrace and, and, and celebrate that. An it honor. also makes an honor mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, uh, but it also blows any sort of mm, transgression, whatever one wants to call it, um, sort of also in that kind of magnitude. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we have to sort of, I think, keep perspective on this, allow the process to work. Not, not You haven't heard one of the three of us. Defend. Um, what appears to have been sloppiness, carelessness. Uh, wish it wouldn't have happened, of course. But, again, I think perspective is, is
0: really required here. Okay, we have a couple more phone callers on the line, and we have an email that's come in, so things are picking up. Jim is next. Jim?
5: Hey, uh, Bob and Mary Cass. Hey, Jim. Hello, Hi, Jim. history here. Uh, I worked at
0: uh, oh, Plaza Uptown
5: Hotel, 22 and a half cents an hour, and all the tips I could make. I wrote a check for $48 for 16 hours of uh, credit. Things are mm-hmm. different now. <laughs> one, one kid got through school for a semester on, or a year on 500 bucks. Okay, it's different now, and I'd like for you to speak to uh, uh, wh- what's going to happen to help uh, kids in a way that's even different from what you're doing now. I'll take my answer on the radio.
0: Okay, thanks,
3: Jim. Sue? Good question, Jim. Um, I'm from the year of paying $7 a credit hour when I went to school, and everybody laughs and and knows how old I am when they hear that one. Um, One of the things that uh, we've been very aggressive about as trustees is making sure that students who are capable and qualified uh, get an opportunity to come to Indiana University. Scholarships are extremely important to us. We just had a report recently at the Foundation Board meeting this last week that um, we have worked so hard on raising the funds, and those are external funds, uh, not only Pell Grants, but um, there are also um, other scholarship grants, state and federal, but uh, a lot of uh, private donations that come in to um, the university from our um, not only our uh, alumni, but from foundations that we um, go after. Um, at one time, uh, the student—I um, wish I had those stats in front of me—and I'm sorry I don't, Jim. But the students uh, of need um, were reduced in their tuition. Uh, uh, I think as as uh, as uh, last year, they were still having to pay $4,000 for the whole year from a $14,000 uh, total fee of room, board, and tuition and books. Uh, this year, because of the aggressiveness and because of the ability to raise the kind of funds and to get the kind of interest renewal on the funds that we have been able to do through our foundation officers, um, the students this year pay a total of $351 if they qualify and have, our ne- and, and, um, have the need um, – and we uh, prioritize that on, on in-state students, of course – Um, That is an incredible amount of savings for these families, and um, these are families that make less than $50,000 a year. And I'm a county girl. I'm an uh, Indiana resident, and I know there are a lot of families listening right now who have never made $50,000 a year. And so their students are the ones that are available uh, to have these kinds of um, scholarship help. We think it's phenomenal that we've been able to reduce it that much. Um, are we continuing to work on it? We certainly are. We're also looking at stu- uh, family income of fifty dollars to 100000 Even though that might sound great and glorious, it isn't in today's world. And we're also helping those students incredibly. Um, it's amazing what can be done with good planning and thorough research and staying with a plan, and that's been our plan. Um, the trustees are very um, – very big advocates of uh, being able to educate students uh, from families uh, that don't have the the kind of money to send them to college, because we know that college education is the best thing that can happen to an Indiana citizen.
4: Uh, And Jim, great question. Let's just talk about it a little bit writ large here. Uh, Indiana and, and its citizens rightfully expect us to provide an excellent education Uh, to our children. The legislature expects us and the governor's office expects us to take the lead in economic development. At the same time, they want us to cap tuition and keep costs down. We have about a $2 billion budget, 70 percent of that's tied up in people costs. Our people expect at least a cost of living increase of 3 percent, something like that, and last time we checked health care costs, all of our people expect benefits, are are somewhere in the 12 to 14 to 16 percent a year increase. We are in the marketplace just like everybody else, so there are cross currents here. Be excellent, make your teams compete, build new buildings, but keep the costs down and Pay your people competitively. All of those things are a tough mix.
2: Right, and Sue, so you referenced external funds as a taxpayer here in India, and I think it's an appropriate um, way to spend my tax dollars uh, on supporting higher education. I understand the state actually provides a very small percentage of your overall funding. So my question is... What efforts, and, and I guess not only what efforts, but what expanded efforts, if any, are you planning to, if you will, get a bigger slice of the pie from the state level? Because I think that, again, in my opinion, and, and perhaps I'm a little bit uh, insulated in this way, but uh, I, I think that's an appropriate use of my tax dollars. And I'd certainly rather have them going to to higher education than I would prisons.
4: Could you run for the legislature? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, you don't need to run around here because we have good support in this area, but we need you to run from other areas of the state.
3: And there, Catherine, you are more sophisticated in knowing what happens on the elected officials uh, in the state than a lot of people are. Um, We have um, uh, aggressive lobbying efforts, and and yes, that term lobbying is uh, uh, applicable here. Uh, You certainly do from the press association, radio and TV. I mean— Everybody has to be there with their hands out, mm-hmm. and K-12 through is a huge, um, um, big funding um, need as well as higher education in the state, and we have uh, seven state universities, and there's a lot of need uh, everywhere in every community. Um, our legislators locally, as Pat said, are just excellent at helping us, and the legislators from Kokomo and our other reg- regional campuses are, are certainly there at the trough, but we're all there together. And you talk about prison reform. We'd love to educate people so they're not in prisons, and it's, it's, cyclical. Exactly, Steve, it's cyclical. It's cyclical. It just goes on and on and on. And having worked in a governor's office at one time in my life, I can tell you that the um, the asks are greater than the amount of money they have to give us.
0: I can see we're going to run out of time before we run out of great questions. <laughs> we have about twelve or fourteen minutes to go. I have another caller on the line. We have some email, so let's go to Steve on the we'll line. Cut our answers, Steve.
5: Good afternoon, Hi, Steve. Um, I've recently become a student of transportation policy and environmental sustainability, and the important relationship between the two. And in the past year or two, I wondered if IU had an environmental policy. Um, I couldn't find one, but I did hear about the IU Sustainability Task Force, and I'd like to see support and publicity for that. Um, my question is, are the trustees involved in this at all? And if not, who is guiding the task force? And I'll just hang up and listen. Okay, Steve. Thank thanks. you.
4: It's a great question. In fact, the trustees, sometime in the last 12 months, in fact, asked Vice President Claypax in the administrative area to bring forth another green audit and a sustainability tax task force. There are an undergraduate. In fact, one young man's from Evansville. I'm proud to say his last name is Hayden is on that force. There are various constituencies represented in that task force. And the, there is a, a standard measurement in the country that IU, mm, let's say, got about a C, C plus. It measured some things like what you have in your portfolio. Do you have green stocks? I mean, Mm -hmm. it it, it is quite a measure, but we do have an ongoing task force, and the trustees expect a report back from Vice President Claypack's office sometime in the next six months. But thank you for keeping our conscience tuned on that issue.
0: I want want to turn to to A.D. for a minute and actually give you a chance to answer the the last question and this one. from a student perspective, again, you, I mean, you—you you are one of the people who you're paying to come to Indiana University, and so are all your friends and colleagues. Could you talk about the affordability issue for young people like you who are going to school today?
1: Well, actually, I've been extremely encouraged by the, the new set of scholarships rolled out for, for merit-based students. Um, my qualifi- qualifications from high school would have given me eight thousand dollars a year now to go to IU. Um, you know. Shoot, I wasn't. I didn't come through the <laughs> system two years earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're really going after um, some of the, the smart students, and that's just for for Hoosier students. So we're we're trying to attract uh, you know native Hoosiers and, and and bring them to Indiana University. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, affordability is always – access and affordability is always an issue that a public university uh, faces and um, I think just continuing to try to be competitive in this world of higher education and try to entice students, uh, the, the best and brightest students with uh, aggressive scholarship packages is extremely imperative.
0: And I, and, you know, I hope you don't mind me you know, focusing on you, as, you know, as a student, as an undergraduate, but when we talk about the environmental issue as Steve did in his phone call, I, you know, my um, – I guess my assessment of the situation is that your generation is very in tune with environmental issues and, and degradation of the planet and, and those things. So from your perspective and again representing your student body, um, what do you think is the university's role and how would you grade the university in trying to be you know, a green campus?
1: I would have to say that uh, I love more than anyone to be able to walk through uh, the Arboretum on a crisp fall day and and have um, the the environment at at Bloomington to to support that that environmental sustainability. Uh, I think it's something that as a business student, um, as I look for a company or or, a group to um, work for as I graduate, um, a a green company is something that I'm very interested in. And you're right, our generation is very in tune to, to going green. And it's, it's just something that's very uh, pervasive across um, definitely the undergraduate population. And uh, it, it's something that I'm glad that the trustees are staying on top of. Mm-hmm. Good.
2: Okay. We've had a couple of emails come in. Uh, here's a quick one. As a staff member, I worry about the new president's attitude toward outsourcing IU jobs. Does he talk also to staff members about their concerns?
3: Good question. And you have uh, two veteran trustees here who have uh, gone on record as not being in favor of uh, blanket outsourcing, as you know, Mary Catherine and Bob. And we we think it's very important that our staff people are are taken care of and their family. Uh, We know what the pride is when you work for the university, and Mm -hmm. we depend on them so much. Uh, to keep this university going smoothly as it does, I think yes, Michael has talked to staff people we 'll be engaging staff people more about what their um, um, qualifications are for um, and what they would like to see happen, and outsourcing is um, a painful. Um, thing of of present years, and it's also something that that we will continue to look at very seriously. Having done it twice now with the motor pool and with the bookstore, we have a little bit of history now and a track record, and so I think that uh, we're beginning to put some pieces together that might dictate what we might do in the future.
2: What's your vision, or or not your vision, but your perception of, of
3: those two experiences to date? Uh, from from talking to staff people, uh, it has not been all roses. Um, there are some things and some bumps that need still to be worked out, and they're continuing to work on it. Um, but we're, we're not having a deaf ear to that. We're listening very, very carefully um I, I don't know how far this will go in the future at this point there's no more uh plans on the table right now but we certainly do need to hear from staff and um, i think both pat and i hear from staff um often about th- this uh kind of thing and we certainly are responsive and, and take those needs in, and what we hear to michael
4: I was very vocal, um, at least on the bookstore issue. I, the, the The motor pool was unfortunate, but I don't know that that's a traditional university function. It involved five or six jobs, and we made sure that all those people were, were placed. The bookstore was, was about two hundred jobs across the state, and and that was troubling, um, to say the least. But but let me just as quickly say, in this time of of gotcha politics, this this was not – my fellow trustees who, who believe that this is a, a legitimate area of inquiry don't do so from some sinister motive. These are – we chase very scarce dollars. It is their belief that redirecting those funds toward the educational mission of the university should take preeminence and priority. It is a philosophical discussion.
2: Yes, exactly. It is. Did you want to comment at all, A.D.?
1: Well, just to preface it, uh, I think, you know, privatization has to be looked at on a case-by-case basis, especially in its application to, uh, you know, Indiana University. Um, But as the the student, the the customer here, we're looking for um, the the most low-cost education uh, possible with the best service. And I think that's something you have to keep in mind whenever you look at outsourcing or privatizing certain functions is, you know, what what are our core competencies, you know, educating students and driving research, and then also how can we provide the, the best service and low cost uh, for the customers, for the students.
2: Okay. Here's another email that came in. Uh, it says why did the trustees permit the tailgate park to become a place where students and others can trash our beautiful campus with drunken abandon on our quote-unquote dry campus even after the supposed cleanup much broken glass and trash remains thanks thank you to the HT for the editorials about this situation as tailgate park attendance has grown football attendance has gone down this is probably not a coincidence on two plaques on campus Herman B Wells is quoted as saying I hope our alumni and I will always insist upon retention of our precious islands of green. As trustees, what will each of you do to heed his words and do something to fix the problems in the tailgate park and return to the days of responsible tailgating? If you will not heed his words, then why put up the plaques, statues, busts, etc.? If you cannot teach people to respect the very land upon which they stand, why bother to teach them anything? And I like the way this uh, writer signs his letter, an insistent alumnus because Herman B. asked me to be.
1: well a d we're going to turn to you first one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you have to look at um when driving change and, and trying to um you know affect this issue it it 's got to be a, a cultural one from from within it it 's hard to from from the top level say uh, no you can't do this, uh, I think it has to come, the movement has to come from within the students. And there, if this is truly um, what needs to be done, I think there be, needs to be more students stepping up and really taking leadership on this issue. And uh, in regards to, to football, uh, I mean, I know as a student, you know, I've been an Indiana football fan my entire life. And, um, you know, obviously, the more games you win, the more students w- will, will come. And that's obviously... Um, uh, that that's obvious just with other successful football programs across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess just to to summate the issue, it has to come from the students. It, the culture has to change with them, and I think that's the only way a change will occur.
4: Well, I, uh, I, I, first of all, let me say that I honor your 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 dedication and your care for this campus. But once again, let me talk a little bit about perspective. Tailgating takes place on five, six, maybe seven weekends a year in an area that borders about 50 yards by 50 yards. This campus is uniformly recognized as one of the most beautiful campuses in the country and Herman B. would be damn proud of those plaques and we'll continue to keep them up there and we'll shine them. The fact that we have a football crowd that we, five weekends, six weekends a year, they put a little trash out there, maybe too much trash. I'm not defending whatever, but we we also make a real great effort to clean it up, and we'll continue to do that. But let's don't throw the baby out with the bath.
0: Okay, we've got about three minutes to go. I've got two questions I want to I want to ask very quickly. One is about, and I know Pat, you were on a you said you were on a television television show last uh-huh. night, talking about the uh, the governor's proposal, and I just wondered. His proposal for uh, sweeping changes with property taxes and and adding a sales tax and and a lot of other things, Um, what impact do you think that would have on the university?
4: What a great question. And it's unclear right now um, what what effect that will have on higher education. It clearly is going to have effect on K-12 by taking a lot of the general fund and transportation costs off of local county property tax rolls and funded at the state level. Um, Uh, My politics are no secret. I've I've always saluted this governor for bold leadership. I mean, agree with him or not, uh, thank you for getting involved in this debate. Thank you for proposing something that we need now to talk about. I think an increase in the sales tax is a little bit regressive. If you live in an apartment, you're going to pay a higher sales tax, and the property tax relief is not going to lower your rent, I guarantee you. But I hope, and I will salute this governor in the last budget, Uh, We haven't had sufficient R&R money here in Bloomington and on all of our campuses for 10 or 15 years. We got never enough, but a pretty good increment in the last legislative session. Higher education did pretty well. So I do not believe this administration will make – higher education suffer. They've shown that, and and I salute them. Working with the other side of the aisle. So I I, I don't think it'll have uh, any uh, bad effect. It it remains to be seen if it'll produce new, fresh dollars.
0: Okay. Very quickly, we've got a minute to go. From that 35,000-foot view, what's the biggest problem facing IU? And Sue?
3: Oh, I think um, the continued uh, funding that we need for all the programs that Michael would like to uh, see accomplished.
1: Okay. A.D.? Uh, attracting and retaining uh, the best and brightest faculty and students from around the world. Okay. Last word, Pat.
4: Um, Being the excellent uh, university we want to be and being able to afford to be that.
0: Okay. I want to thank our guests today, A.D. King, the student trustee at Indiana University. Thanks for being here. Sue Talbot and Pat Shoulders for Mary Catherine Carmichael. Producer uh, Catherine Hageman and engineer John Shelton today. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening.